We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid Death. Are you thirsty? Parched? Do you like dark and eerie sinister names for your beverages? Then you'll love Liquid Death. Go to liquiddeath.com. Use the promo code BIGBLUE for a refreshing beverage ahead of Halloween. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Villato. Tonight we are going to talk to you about a little debate me and Nick. Nick and I were having off podcast about who exactly was Giants MVP for the first half of the season. Giants went six and two. No one saw that coming, us included. And we were higher on the higher end of predictions for preseason wins, but this was unexpected. But who's the actual MVP? And we're not including for this debate the coaches. We were not including any of the coaches or any of the coaching decisions or any of the coaching, just players on the field. Who is most responsible for the Giants being six and two right now? And who is their MVP? So, Nick, I'm going to toss the toss the conversation over to you and ask you who you've narrowed it down to first, and then we can go from there. Cause I, th- I have a feeling we're probably going to narrow it down to the same people. I think why I wanted to do this is a standalone segment. Let me first say that I feel like it could lead to some fun football discussions and some interesting debates, 30,000 foot view as in what's actually leading to these wins. What's sustainable. What can we count on moving forward? That type of discussion. How do you build your roster out with the information of, who's most important, who's playing the biggest role in winning you football games. So I'll start by saying that now I'll turn it over to you. Have you had, do you have, have you narrowed it down to two guys or is that just me? So I think it is narrowed down to two guys, but there is a whole conversation that we could have. And the two guys would be Saquon Barkley and Andrew Thomas. So you have your franchise left tackle and your running back who is entering a contract year who had his fifth year option picked up a couple of years ago, but now he is healthy and we are seeing why so many people loved him coming out of the 2018 draft. We saw it in his rookie season, and then he had a bunch of injury-plagued years, and now he is the essence of this offense right now. Like Without Saquon Barkley, I don't know what the New York Giants football team is, which kind of runs a little bit counter to what we've pitched on this podcast, and I think there is nuance to this conversation that I'm sure we'll dive into. Saquon Barkley is a running back, spent the second overall pick on him, We didn't agree with that, and I still kind of maintain that same sentiment, but now we do see how important Saquon Barkley is to a successful team. No one expected the New York Giants to be 6-2 and right now coming out of their bye week, and they are, and there's no chance, there's no shot that this New York Giants team is 6-2 and without Saquon Barkley. 
Yeah. So are you leaning Saquon? I am leaning Saquon right now, but we can get into the, some of the, you know, who gets, who gets the bronze, who gets whatever the fourth award is a little bit later. But right now I do believe the discussion is surrounded around Andrew Thomas and Saquon Barkley. Okay. Yeah. I think for me, my lean would be Andrew Thomas. Uh, and the sentiment being, I think about where this team would be without Barkley and without Thomas. And to me, if you take Thomas out of the lineup, you probably are making the decision to shift Evan Neal over to left tackle, where I think he would struggle mightily and ultimately be forced. The Giants will be forced to use extra players, tight end, whether that be a tight end to chip or running back chip on a very consistent basis to help him on that island. On the flip side, you'd be putting Tyree Phillips over at right tackle. Phillips is okay. Wasn't as good as in his in his second game as it was his first. Didn't make too many errors, but overall, I feel like he also is very limited in the sense that you can't really put him on an island. Then you take into account what does that mean for the Giants' run game, right? Taking a Thomas off the field and putting on a Tyree Phillips because that's essentially would be the uh, flip there. And then obviously not even accounting for the Neil injury where the Giants would have had to kind of really probably go to the waiver wire or maybe kick over like a Zudu, but then they need a Zudu at guard because of Bredesen injury. So that's another debate. So depth wise, it would hurt them for sure. But I think about some of what Saquon Barkley has done. And I try to factor in how much of that has been him on his own. In some of these cases, it certainly has been some of the cuts he's made, some of the vision cuts he's made, some of the power through contact, some of the ability to get low, some of the force missed tackles have been all him. At the same time, some have been really well-designed plays by Mike Kafka, really good blocking on the outside. Joe Shane mentioned in one of his bye week, uh, you know, he made the rounds during the bye week. He, made, he mentioned in one of his bye week interviews, Nick, that he gives a lot of credit to the Giants wide receivers and how the, in, in the sense and how they block this year. He feels like the wide receiver blocking has been really good. And that may be not so as much uh, without Galladay um, or without Shepard but they're still been blocking pretty well as receivers tight ends. We know how well they were blocking before the Daniel Bellinger injury. When it was Bellinger and Myrick in there as the key, as the main tight ends, they were making a big impact blocking wise. And I still kind of fall back on long-term sustainability because it's two different discussions. Why we didn't like the two, the second overall pick in 2018 has a lot to do with process, right? Dave Gettleman admitted he didn't take any calls for the pick, despite there being a ton of interest, as obviously we saw plenty. We saw the Jets make a move up for a quarterback. He also ran the pick up to the podium, didn't even wait the full 10 minutes because he was so sure of it. But also it's sustainability. How long can you count on a player like Saquon Barkley to be playing at the level he's playing at this year? Right. We already know that two of the four years he couldn't do it. He got injured, whether that be bad luck or whatever it is, he got injured and he wasn't able to be this guy. Last year, he tried to play through the injury. It was a mistake. He played terrible football, and he was not the guy he is now. You can blame the blocking if you want to, but that's wrong. The tape says the true story. He wasn't the player he is now. I actually think he's playing better than he is his rookie season, personally, from the little nuance of the game, mainly the mental processing and, and the vision is just somehow taking a huge step forward. And then the key is the pass blocking is night and day from his rookie season to now. It's not even, you're not even watching the same player in pass production. It feels like when you watch Barkley film from 2018, if you look back on that versus you look at the film now in pass production, but then it becomes how long can he be that player for, right? Cause the giants, I think Nick are most likely leaning toward resigning him. Um, and then it becomes, well, can he defy average shelf life? Average shelf life for a running back is they fall off around the midpoint between 26 and, and uh, year 20 uh, when you're age 26 and age 27. That's the 
the the average. Now, some people break that mold. Derrick Henry is going to break that mold probably for, uh, you know, however much longer he can go for. Um, in the past, plenty of backs broke that mold. But that's really why I don't think it was wrong of us to feel that way about that pick at the time because we were factoring other things. We were factoring in long-term roster health and long-term roster construction. But as far as who's the MVP now, that's where it gets more interesting to me because I do think – in a sense, Barkley's had more help than 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 Andrew Thomas, if that makes sense. Thomas is left on his own there, and he's forced to be that rock that he's been every single down. And he's, in a lot of ways, in my mind, I know it doesn't get talked about a lot, Nick, but in a lot of ways, part of the reason Daniel Jones has played some of his best football this year is because he knows that he has this version of Andrew Thomas on his left side. And everybody points to, oh, my God, his receivers are so bad. He has the worst situation. Well, I can think of a lot of quarterbacks who don't have the highest graded left tackle protecting them on an island from their blind side every week. So to me, I feel like Barkley has done a little bit more. A little bit more Barkley is because of Kafka and because of the offensive line and the tight ends and the receivers and the blocking and more so than Thomas, who's just on an island, left on his own and forced to resort to his own resources. I think there are great arguments on either side, and that's why we wanted to turn this into its individual podcast. But I'll say this too, and this has been pointed out by Brandon Thorne and a lot of other offensive line gurus, that the scheme the New York Giants have run a lot this season. Now, the last couple of games, not as much, but it's benefited the offensive linemen because it was so much play action, play action bootleg, where Andrew Thomas is basically just selling a reach block and then Daniel Jones is rolling to the opposite side or something. And that's benefited Andrew Thomas, that type of blocking scheme, that type of offensive approach. And that offensive approach is dictated on Saquon Barkley because the defense has to account and they're overplaying the fact that the Giants have Saquon Barkley. So even the fact that Andrew Thomas is having maybe an easier time than other offensive linemen because there aren't as many true pass sets, that's because the defense has to focus on Saquon Barkley, which allowed that play-action bootleg game to thrive through that, what, three or four-game stretch. That's fair. And I think about that, and I think about, like, the key drive of this season right now, right? It's that 11 play, or I think it was either, I don't remember the exact plays, that nine, was it 88 or 92? The drive against the Packers when Barkley got hurt. Yeah. Right? I don't remember what it was. Yep. It might have been 92 yards. It might have been 88. Whatever. The key factor is Barkley got hurt on that drive, came off the field, and the Giants were still able to go all the way down the field and score a touchdown. If Andrew Thomas is hurt on that drive, right, and the Giants forced to shuffle that line, kick somebody over to left tackle, move a new right tackle, is that the same result? I almost feel like on that drive specifically – and on some of these plays, you know, just overall, losing Thomas might have been more important than losing Barkley. It's an excellent point, too. And I think this also gets into another conversation. Is that also because Matt Breida is a much better backup than whatever the New York Giants right. have at tackle? So, like, that's this is why this is so fascinating because I really do believe there are t there are arguments that you could easily just be like, oh, yeah, it's Andrew Thomas. Oh, well, that's Saquon Barkley point is pretty well. You know, it's Saquon Barkley. Well, then Andrew Thomas yeah. is pretty good. And this is a good situation for the Giants to be in. The fact that they have these two young players, at least for this season, under contract. I, I would imagine you would agree that Matt Breida is a much better option than, let's say, a Tyree Phillips or a Devery Hamilton is yes. for the backup to Andrew Thomas, right? So that 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 has to be weighed into, I think, the argument as well. Yeah, that's one of my big factors in choosing Andrew Thomas as my yeah. first half MVP. It's that. I mean, it's the fact that, look, if you look at it on paper, they're both. I mean, you could. OK, so Derek Henry, they they talked to him in the pregame before last night's game. And he's like, you know, like, oh, you're the king. You're the best player. You're back to being the best running back. He's like, don't give me that honor. The, the answer is Nick Chubb. 
That's what Derrick Henry said. And I found it really interesting that like no one really can like the players never. I don't really hear too many times the players mentioning Saquon Barkley is like the obvious best running back in the NFL. And that's not saying they're right or we should take their opinion over anyone else's. But it is interesting to me that I think you can at least make a case that Nick Chubb or even Derrick Henry could be considered the best running back in the NFL right now. You can probably make cases for other players at left tackle, but I think Andrew Thomas, especially with the Trent Williams injury earlier, I think he solidified himself as probably being a top, like he's the number one graded pro football focus left tackle. I don't want to put too much credit into pro football focus grades for the reasons we've discussed in the past on this pod, but I will say this from the film. I feel like there's so few examples of him making mistakes. I feel like there's few examples of him getting destroyed or beat. There's few examples of him not executing a run assignment the way it was supposed to be done. There's few examples of him like just like looking around, confused, not blocking the right guys, being confused by, you know, opposing defensive coordinator or a stunt or a twist, anything like that. And so I think right now for me, it's just like you got to factor in like who's playing the best ball of the two, but also what you said, which was your point, Nick, which stands out to me, which is our defense is really accounting so much for Saquon Barkley that it's opening up other things. And if that's the case, it might, the answer might actually, I might be wrong. And the answer might actually be Barkley. Yeah. And that's what it seems like, right? Cause I, I think at least through the first half of this season, and the goal is to have defensive coordinators to think opposite of this, right? That Daniel Jones proves his effectiveness through his arm and his legs so much that defensive coordinators have to be like, all right, well, maybe we can't load the box. Maybe we can't, the, the focus will always be on Saquon Barkley, but maybe we really do have to account for Daniel Jones. And we saw that against Chicago, man. Like the Chicago Bears defense forgot that Daniel Jones could run <laughs> several times. They were just so focused in on Saquon Barkley. So I think I maintain Saquon Barkley, but I think a lot of these points to Andrew Thomas are very, very valid. And that's why this is a, a great conversation because look at what the New York Giants have done in terms of keeping six, seven guys initially in protection. There are some times when, when they do that for Andrew Thomas, but that's very, very rare. And it's not necessarily just because Andrew, it's actually not at all because Andrew Thomas needs help. It's because the Giants want their tight end to chip and release to that right. side, to be like the, the third read in the pattern or, or what have you to be the check down to that side. If it was the field side, but there was a lot of times when Evan Neal was out there and he was struggling, the Giants would specifically have guys to help Evan Neal out. And they didn't have to worry about Andrew Thomas. And that's obviously going to allow the pass game to have a little bit more flexibility. It's going to allow the pass game to, to not have to scheme any type of help towards the left side of the protection. There's a lot of merit in that. But ultimately, I, I fall on the, the Saquon Barkley side because the New York Giants don't create any damn explosive plays. I think they have 17 right now. And this has been an issue with the New York Giants for how long, Dan? They have 17. That is the worst in the NFL right now. They rank 32nd. The 30th teams are the Los Angeles Rams and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And those two teams are absolute laughing stocks around the league for their offense. But people aren't laughing at the Giants because they're six and two, but they don't create any freaking explosive plays. And eight of them are 20 plus yard rushes. One of those rushes was by Daniel Jones. Oh, yep. And then two of the passes were through Saquon Barkley against the Packers. And then there was another one as well. I think that went over 20 yards. It might even have been three because there might have been like a one of those check down screens that ended up going for like 21 yards. So most of the explosive plays on this offense have been through Saquon Barkley. So like that incorporated with the fact that it's not just on the ground, it's also through the air. And the fact that defenses are really just like <laughs> sweating every time this guy is out there and 26 has the football in his hand, lead me to Saquon. That's a good, those are, that's a good argument, Nick. You, you, you probably 
may have won it right there with that side of it because I think that's a it's really not a, it's not a win thing. We're not adversarial, but <laughs> well, it's fun to be. It's fun to embrace debate. And might have been the winning yeah. argument, um, but we're not going to decide that. We'll let the fans decide that, or you know, they might call it a push or a draw. I will say this on the just from a statistical standpoint, and who knows how much of this is worth, but Andrew Thomas's low sacks allowed number, his low hits allowed number, his low pressures number, those should all be factored in as well. Though I, I agree, a caveat to that that Barkley doesn't have is well. To be fair, the Giants aren't running that many true pass sets through the first half of the season. They've moved the pocket a bunch. They've done different things to essentially not negate, but lessen the impact of what, you know, an offensive lineman might have to do on a, tr on a down to down basis. Like for example, the chiefs last night threw what, like 80 times. It was like absurd. I think they threw like 68 times. I think it was in the, in the game, like a, a career high from Mahomes. Like those are every single down. Those dudes are dropping and dropping and dropping in pass protection. The giants haven't had any game even remotely close to that. Meanwhile, in every single game, Saquon Barkley has been the key factor of the game plan. He's been the key reason, not just for opposing defense, not who they have to count for, but for who the Giants are setting up their game plan around. So it's a fair factor. Now, I will say this. I While this is a debate for me, the next question I'm about to ask you is not a debate for me. Who's more important to the Giants' long-term future health? Or, I'm sorry, long-term future success out of those two? It's Andrew Thomas. Now, we're not even sure if Saquon Barkley is going to be here next year. And as much as I love what Saquon Barkley has done this season, I do think there is a real conversation that has to be had where I might be like, hey, I think we just let Saquon Barkley go if he wants this amount of money for this and, and he has all the leverage. I don't want the Giants to paint themselves into an unfortunate corner paying a running back with injury issues. That's a real difficult conversation that we'll have to face at the end of the season. But Andrew Thomas, arguably right now at 23 years of age, is a primary asset that not just the New York Giants have number one on their list, but most of the NFL would have number one on their list. Like a 23-year-old tackle playing as well as Andrew Thomas is right now would be a top 32 pick. Would, would he not be right now? Like I, I think he might be. I mean, you have like skill position players and the NFL is kind of evolving to where like you saw what the Bengals did last season where they neglected the offensive line, still made it to the Super Bowl with, with receivers like T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. But Honestly, man, top 32 pick. I think Andrew Thomas is a top 32 pick if if there was a, a type of fantasy draft right now around the NFL. Oh, my God. I would love to have that debate. We're not prepared for it right now. At least I'm not. And I don't think you are either. I'd have to look through literally all 32 rosters. But I'd love to have an asset debate, right? Like redraft or redraft the entire NFL league right now from scratch, given factoring in age, factoring in contracts, factoring all of that, and then debate where would Andrew Thomas go. I think he could go. Definitely top 32. I don't know. He could go insanely high, potentially. Like, there's a few quarterbacks we definitely take over him for sure. There's probably some edges that we'd look into taking over him. We'd have to look into that. I don't know. Maybe some corners. Like, you can make the case for Sauce Garner, potentially. But I don't know. I think I might so take good, Thomas man. over almost all of those guys uh, at 23 years old. And as far as the Thomas versus Barkley debate, it's not even close for me. Uh, we'll get into the tough Barkley discussion later when we have to. I'm very much so not looking forward to that because it's, if you even suggest that he shouldn't be resigned, I think some fans can't even accept the possibility of, you know, looking into the idea of, okay, well, there's a salary cap. Okay. Well, there's an age factor within with running backs. Okay. Well, there's an injury factor. Those are three things that can, in my mind, cannot be ignored. And I think some fans will just quite literally ignore all three of those things on Andrew Thomas's front, take them out. There is no cliff for offensive tackles from an age standpoint. We saw Andrew Whitworth play at an insanely high level through an insanely old season. Same thing goes for Andrew, Tom, uh, Whit, not 
sorry, Trent Williams and a slew of other offensive tackles. So you take that out. The shelf life for left tackles versus running backs is not even close. I also think, man, this is a unique situation, and you made a great debate, and you made some great points for it, Nick. But overall, long-term, on most NFL teams, especially if you can eventually develop what we need to be a consistent Super Bowl contender, and what's that, Nick? A consistent drop-back pass game. That's what we're going to need. As we saw last week, the Jaguars took away what the Giants wanted to do schematically. I mean, not the Jaguars. Sorry. Why did I say the Jaguars? The um, already blanking on the Seahawks. Jesus, that was terrible. That That's bye week for you right there. Um, the Seahawks took away what the Giants wanted to do. We'll see if the, the Giants should be able to counter it. But in a playoff game, if the Giants offense was exactly what it was in the first half for the most part, you know that with a full playoff game, a defense coordinator can probably just take that away too. What you really need long-term is the drop back pass game, the consistent pass plays consistent. So from that standpoint, a running back is way less important than a left tackle long-term. And Saquon Barkley is way less important than Andrew Thomas long-term. I also still believe you can get a really good running game if you have a really good offensive line. I've seen it play over in the NFL over and over. There's just so much talent at running back, dude. You can find the Tony Pollards in day three. You can find the Damian Pierce's in day three. Damian Pierce is an absolute stud who we spoke highly of. I went back and I listened to our Pierce podcast, by the way. Not to take victory laps and toot our own horns, but that was a damn good <laughs> pod, dude. We love that dude, and we called that one. But you can still build out the offensive line, have a really strong run game, and then cycle in talents on day three. You can't do that at left tackle, right? There is no Andrew Thomas. You can't get an Andrew Thomas at the Damian Pierce level. Okay, Taron Armstead, it happened one time with the Saints. That's not happening for a long time. It hasn't happened since, and it's not going to happen again. I mean, Jordan Maialata, whatever. You can find sometimes, but like it's not even close to the same level frequency as the left tackle position. So longevity and also just general impact. I still think now this team is unique with Barkley, but overall long-term, a left tackle makes a bigger impact than a running back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. You might also think, hey, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it's because it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is the water called liquid death, you might ask? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable Tallboy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Look, I've tried liquid death. It's pretty good water. You should go out there and give it a good old chug. People will think you're drinking a beer, but really, you're just hydrating yourself because you're parched. So please, go get Liquid Death at your local Whole Foods Market 
Target, and Stop and Shop stores, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash bigblue. Please use that promo code. That's liquiddeath.com slash bigblue. Yeah, I don't even think that's up for debate in terms of the longevity. I'm speaking on Barkley's behalf, obviously from MVP for this season, and this that's why year, there's right? this, yeah, it, there's this huge dichotomy in my brain though, because if this guy is our MVP, which I think he is, and here I am saying, you know, I don't think we should resign him. There, <laughs> there is a dichotomy there. You would imagine that it's not the most rational thing to say, but I think it's completely rational given all of the parameters that you laid out just like five minutes ago. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be a tough debate that we'll have to have this off season. It's, it's an interesting one. I think the Giants will resign Saquon Barkley. I'm pretty confident in it just from hearing things and feeling things out. Um, having said that, as far as if we're going to be for it, that 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 I'm going to leave. I'll, I'll, I'll let that go for another day because I have to think more on it. I have to let it marinate a little bit, a bit more. Um, also see how Saquon finishes the season True. too. Right. That's another, another injury thing. will totally change. If he gets injured again, knock on wood that he doesn't. Um, but if he does, that's going to totally change the mindset. But I will say this. When Christian McCaffrey hit the block, there were a lot of teams interested. I always think that, generally speaking, NFL teams are a bit more value the running backs a bit more than we do as as kind of like the long-term cap health prognosticators, right? But having said that, he still only went for a second, a second, right? Like if, if a receiver of his level right now, Christian McCaffrey's level, even with an injury history, at his age was on the block at that trade deadline, it would have been a minimum one first round pick. We already saw Tyreek Hill go for multiple ones or whatever that was. I think it was multiple ones or maybe a one and two. We saw AJ Brown for a one. So it is still, the NFL still does adjust to positional value in some ways with that running back position. But I think you made a great case for why I should be the MVP right now. I'm going to give you the opportunity now. If you want to, I'm going to give myself it now to close this out. Final call, MVP of the first half, Barkley or Thomas? For me, it's Saquon Barkley for all the reasons I, I laid out before. Just he, He's too important to this offense. And the passing attack, while it's not the most explosive, the reason why they've had some success is because of the rushing attack and the defense trying to shut down the rushing attack. And also, a lot of these come from behind victories. It wasn't just Daniel Jones slinging it. Daniel Jones can sling it oh, sometimes, yeah. but the a lot of it was no slinging. <laughs> The, the Giants just stuck to the run, and they were able to do that, and they were able to wear defenses down. That's credit to their run blocking, which can be some credit levied towards Dan, Dan's choice of Andrew Thomas, but also because of Saquon Barkley. And I would also um, imagine you agree with the fact that Saquon Barkley's conviction when he's running the football, his decisiveness, it's night and day from anything we've kind of seen from him. We saw a little bit of his rookie season, but man, the last couple of years, it just hasn't been there. The run blocking wasn't there, but dude, this guy's on a different level in terms of his football IQ and how he's running the football. He's playing really, really well right now. Yeah. That would be something I'd love to talk to like NFL coaches. I never get an answer from him or just people have coached him fast to figure out like how it's been so different. Like it just seems to me such a night and day difference when it comes to his processing and his vision. And I, I don't exactly know why or how that's the case. It could be just the coaching, but either way, it's been great. I'm going to actually take this time, Nick, to change my choice. I am going to say you've made some really good points. I specifically think the points you made about how the offense is really predicated and set up and, and, and mainly that explosive play point you made, because that, that one to me is like, they're really not generating anything explosive wise through the air. Almost concerning, bro. 
I don't think no. we're talking about it enough enough as Giant fans. The only ex- almost all the explosive plays are basically from Saquon Barkley. Like yeah. you have to One generate a Shepard too. Is not even on the is done for the season. That's another problem. Exactly. And I think there was like one to David Sills on like a deep dig route, one to Richie James on a deep over. I think in the second half, if we're going to look forward a little bit in the second half. We're going to see a lot more Wandell Robinson downfield. Maybe it's going to start against the Texans. We'll get a, we'll get into that on our pregame preview, but they run a lot of too high. What did yep. Daniel Jones miss last week? Wandell Robinson streaking against a middle linebacker, splitting the safeties with two nine routes, basically three vertical against a two high defense. He had Wandell, but he checked it down, which is fine. That wasn't one of his more egregious misses. But if he was a little bit more patient, he would have realized the mismatch and more than likely would have had Wandell Robinson. I think the Giants are going to try to go back to that well against Houston, who just loves freaking cover two. Yeah, man. Look, dude. You can't, it's never going to be perfect for a quarterback there. Like for that exact, that, I was thinking about that route, that, the one that comes to my mind. I mean, you've put that ball out there with the anticipation and take a shot. You're, you're connecting on that throw. I know it's, it's hard in the moment and things like that. I don't want to knock Daniel Jones too much for it, but those are the shots where we need him to take in the second half. We want to be a different kind of offense. We want to be a team that can win games against the best teams too. And they have already beaten some solid teams, Titans, Ravens, but you know, they want to be, you want to get an upset against the Eagles. We're going to need to take some shots. Uh, and some and some hole shots, especially that's that's the th- that's the thing that stands out to me. Very few I've seen very few tight window hole shots against zone from Jones really throughout his career um, and and this season as well. And, what, and again, I know I know the receivers are an issue. Just trust me. Don't don't think that's lost on me. I'm not blaming this on him or anything like that. But we regardless of who's to blame and whatever, we need it to happen. Right. You need that to win football games. We can't rely on this current blueprint because this blueprint was taken away so easily by a defense in the Seahawks who. A, are not that insanely talented, but B, were just insanely disciplined, right? And they just came with a game plan, knew exactly what they want to do. Okay, we're not going to let Saquon Barkley beat us, and we're not going to let Daniel Jones beat us with his legs. What else can they do? And that's the problem is I don't know why other teams wouldn't just purely mimic that from this point on because it works. It, it definitely works. And I'll say this too, and this isn't just us kicking Daniel Jones while he was down after a bad game, but the plays were there last week. Like yep. Mike Kafka, it wasn't really a fault of Mike Kafka. Maybe nope. you can argue the, the adjustments weren't as prevalent early on, but in the second half, there were deep shots that were dialed up against the right coverage. Excellent routes by by Darius Slayton specifically. And the, and the ball should have been put out there and it just wasn't. And even in a game where the New York Giants looked hapless and, and it, it was not the best effort and Seattle's defense played really well, there were still designed routes that took advantage of that coverage. We just need, like you said, man, that football to and come on out. And none of those routes, the key thing for me, Nick, was on none of those routes that you referenced. The offensive line was the issue. On none of those, we can't say, oh, well, you know what? The pass protection just broke down. No, 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 no. The pass protection was more than fine by far on those routes. And so yeah. that's that to me, because again, you get, to be the best, to be at that level, the Super Bowl level of quarterback play, you have to throw the anticipation on a consistent basis. We've seen flashes of Jones's ability to throw the anticipation, but it's got to become more in- consistent. And I think it will as he gets more time within the system. And I think part of it is, you know, a smaller part of it to me is trusting the receivers to create the separation, but anticipation is mostly on the quarterback anticipatory throwing as we're seeing now with two attack of look, it was not a prospect. I love coming out, Nick, we we've discussed him off pot a bunch, but I, I I've obviously had the chance to watch more film this week with the giants on a buy. And I watched the, the tape of their game against ball, uh, uh, the bears, Chicago. And man, dude, he's throwing with a lot of anticipation on a lot of these throws, man. And he took a whole shot against the coverage that, 
I seen maybe Mahomes and Allen throw this year. I don't on a consistent basis. I do not see quarterbacks may even attempt that throw against that kind of coverage. And it's a tight window, and you got to have you got and you got to throw it before the receivers out of the break. And so, I mean, that that's what we're going to be looking for in the second half. At least for me, the evaluation on Jones continues through. And I'm happy Joe Shane said that as well. He's not like, oh, he had four good games. We're resigning him immediately. He's like, no, no, no. This evaluation goes throughout the whole season. Good on him, by the way, for saying that. Yeah, it's the only way to to operate if you're asking me. Now, those are the clear-cut two guys, Saquon and Andrew Thomas. If there is somebody to earn the bronze, who would it be for you? Okay, so first I did want to finish and say Barkley is now my pick. I've, I've come around and I said my early lean was Thomas. Nick, you made a really good case. Barkley's my pick. So both Nick and I have Barkley MVP. The bronze medalist, the guy who would come in next, without a doubt for me at least, is not other than Dexter Lawrence. And to yeah. me, it's not even close. Anyone else? Yeah, I'm, no, nah, I'm right there with yeah. Dexter Lawrence being the guy. I think there are a lot of valuable assets on that defense. I think Xavier McKinney is a valuable asset. We might feel the pain of him not being there now that he hurt his hand. I think Julian Love is valuable. I think Adoree Jackson is very valuable. But Dexter Lawrence right now with 26 pressures and four sacks through this season and just how he took over the bears game and how he has that ability to take over games. I would have to say he is definitely the third runner up for team MVP through the first half of the season. Yeah, man. Even the little things with Dex belong, deserve to be shout out, shouted out and belong in the conversation. Like when he stays so squared to the line of scrimmage and has like a two way and beats the block and makes the play in the run game. Or when he does those plays where he like chases down the quarterback or the outside runner sideline to sideline and somehow makes the tackle at 340 against like a 200 pound athlete or, or, you know, 220 pound athlete. Those are the plays too that stand out to me. Some of those have saved drives by forcing punts. Some of those have, have led to, you know, turnovers or later in the drive or just not, or, you know, stops straight up. So Dex Lawrence would be number three for me. He'd get the bronze medal for sure. Um, and I think ultimately moving forward, like you said, the Giants have a lot of young pieces, a lot of interesting assets we weren't necessarily so sold on before the year as being as good as they are now. And that's a really good sign. But to close this bad boy out, Nick's got Barkley. I've got Barkley. And so for the first half of the season, MVP Saquon Barkley. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.